Commutify presents Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Each week, we explore the challenging issues transportation demand management professionals face on their journey to transition commuters from driving alone to more sustainable, shared and active commuting habits. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify. This is Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Hi, everyone, and welcome aboard to episode one of season two of Between the Lines. Today, we have a really interesting, kind of unique episode. Uh, we're talking with Jerome Horn. Jerome leads transit center strategies around increasing representative leadership and inclusive decision making in the transportation field. He's a Mass Transit Magazine 40 Under 40 honoree uh, and the founder and previous board chair for the Young Professionals in Transportation Indianapolis chapter. Uh, he rides transit whenever possible, likes to bike, and curates this really cool extensive collection you can see behind him of transit memorabilia known as the International Micro Museum of Transit. He's all over social media. I've been following him for quite some time. I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Andy. I'm excited to be here and looking forward to our discussion today. Awesome. Cool. So today we are talking about this term I'm kind of calling transit evangelism um, and how that's going to help save the planet. But before we get into what this means and why it's important to just evangelize transit and talk about it and make it cool, um, I want to talk a little bit about what you do as your day job, because that's important and gives some good context to the conversation. So can you tell me a little bit more about what you do at Transit Center? Absolutely. So uh, first, I'll start by just giving people a little bit more context of what Transit Center is. So we're a private foundation. <laughs> yeah, we're a private foundation based in New York City, but our focus is national. And really, we kind of focus on transit advocacy, um, transit policy and research, and now leadership development, which is a new program area. And that is the new program area that I'm developing and leading. And so, uh, you know, the impetus for this is that we really think that the transit industry is at a time of critical, uh, a critical junction where we really need to make some decisions about how we move forward. And we know that leaders and who leads and how they lead is really important, uh, important to ensuring that we have better outcomes for our communities. So my job is really focused on how do we increase representation, representative leadership in the industry, having people that not only look like those who they serve, but also have the lived experiences uh, and also highlight that, you know, anyone can be a leader regardless of their title and position and level at a transit agency. And it's really about how you carry yourself and the positive influence you have. I think that's so interesting and obviously really important. Um, can you talk just a little bit more? I want to dive into that idea of representative leadership, having leaders, you know, look and have the same life experiences as the people they're serving. Why is that important? Why is that something that transit agencies really need to be focusing on now? Yeah, well, I, I think as with many things, the last two years have revealed a lot about our society and culture and that we see that uh, there are many things that are unjust and unbalanced. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. transit serves a very diverse group of people and it's important for that leadership um, to understand uh, the lived experiences of those who they serve. 
Um, and, you know, that is not just, as I said, not just looking diverse, but actually being diverse in how you lead. And so that means, you know, taking into account the consideration of people who may not think like you, may not have the same ability level as you, um, different backgrounds. Um, you know, using myself as an example, you know, as a gay black man in America, I'm very conscious of how I move through public space and how I may be perceived. Uh, and we know that on transit in particular, uh, many black and brown people are more likely to be stopped or harassed by police. And that's just one mm -hmm. example of, you know, thinking about how representat representative leadership, right, could lead to better outcomes when it comes to safety and law enforcement and how we design public spaces, because different people, uh, depending on how they show up, feel safe in different ways in our environments. And it's really important that we have that kind of holistic uh, approach to thinking about how people navigate the world um, and how we design space. Yeah, no, I mean, that's really, honestly, I mean, I'm excited to see what you and Transit Center uh, do as you work with, you know, transit agencies around the country, because it is an important issue. And, you know, this topic on itself could be a whole episode. Maybe we'll have you back a future episode down the line. We'll really just dive into this. Um, but I do uh, want to move on to kind of what we are going to talk about today beyond this, which is this idea of transit evangelism. So uh, kind of going from like making sure leadership is really building an inclusive and an effective uh, and efficient transit system to let's actually just talk about transit. Let's make it cool. Let's have this awesome museum behind you. I have like one map behind me. I'm starting to get more and more. Uh, I need to like, I need to catch up to what, what you're doing, which will never happen because you have like the coolest uh, background I've ever seen. Um, but can let, let's start with this. You love public transit. You talk about it all the time. Why do you love it? What was there one experience in your like youth that was like, Oh man, this is cool. I'm going to get started just talking and loving public transit. How did it get started? Why do you love just talking about it? Yeah. Well, I'll start with sort of the now. Um, you know, I love public transit because I really believe it's the fabric that stitches our communities together, uh, connects people to opportunity. And where you can go is who you can meet, what you can do, and what you can achieve. Uh, so it's important that we provide the best transit service possible to allow people that access. Um, you know, I fell in love with transit as a little kid. I was exposed to riding transit at a very young age in Baltimore. Uh, and I remember riding the, the cute Baltimore Metro. Uh, and I was always thrilled when I could sit at the rail fan window at the front of the train. And for those who don't know, rail fan window is basically a window that allows you to see directly out of the front of a train and see where you're going. And I remember being so excited because uh, there was always this rush when we went from an elevated section and plunged into a tunnel. And I don't know, for a little toddler, that was uh, just something that really got me going. Um, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine, I probably, I blame that too. Uh, my dad yeah. bought me the first version of Sim City. So, you know, I've always been fascinated by cities and systems and how things work together and, and trains and buses in particular uh, uh, have always excited me. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that rail fan window, it gets it gets a lot of us. I mean, like, not quite the same, but similar. Like, I remember the first time I visited London, they had their double-decker buses with, like, on the top, you can sit right in front. And I thought it was so cool. You could see out the, like, the front of the bus and, like, see the, the city as you move around. A little different than being on rail, but kind of the same experience as well. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, you know, I think 
within certain communities, within like the, the transit, the urbanism community, uh, obviously it's really cool. And people love talking about public transit and like recognize how awesome and great it is. Um, and people listening to this, you know, the people listening to this episode and this podcast are, are friends and, you know, interested in the same thing, but outside of that community, public transit might have kind of a bad reputation. It's not something that's cool. Um, but like cars are, and somehow cars have become this really cool, like part of culture. I wonder if you have any thoughts on why like individually owned cars are like this, like considered cool thing, but trains and buses, which like objectively to me, at least like the technology is way cooler. Why are these not the same in the public opinion? Oh, that's such a great question. I feel <laughs> if we could do a whole episode on this. Um, yeah, exactly. I think, you know, speaking from the American perspective, I think cars are so ingrained in the culture here. You know, it's seen as part of the American dream. Uh, to many people, cars represent freedom of movement and individuality and success. Uh, and I think that a big part of why transit is viewed you know, negatively is that one, a lot of the communities that we've built are entirely built and tailored around car travel. And they really preclude other modes of transportation, such as walking, biking, or transit. Um, and there's definitely a stigma about who rides transit and who it's for, uh, especially outside of our largest cities. You know, transit uh, is sometimes seen as a social service and not as a, a vital part of the community. However, I, I think, you know, during the pandemic, it's been really clear that we keep saying the same thing, but transit is essential and the people who they are moving is essential. But it's even more than that. You know, I, I, I think um, part of the challenge with getting transit to be viewed as cool is also just the service levels that exist. Um, we have a lot of transit that is infrequent, meaning it doesn't run often. And in order to, to make it seem like a, a vital part of our transportation network and something that people can rely on, we really need to figure out how do we increase transit service? You know, the simplest thing we could do is, is double the amount of bus service that we run in every city in this country. And that would have a big impact. Um, so I think because, you know, transit um, is not um, as, 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 you know, frequent and not as, as present uh, as, as roads are, um, you know, that that's definitely a challenge to getting people to see transit in a new light. Uh, but I really think that, uh, you know, I hope that we're beginning to turn a corner here as more people become aware of, uh, you know, systemic racism, the climate crisis, and many other things that are facing uh, our society. And transit can certainly be a tool to help uh, mitigate. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I think just a cultural uh, impact of roads being what built a lot of the cities, particularly in the West of the United States. Um, it makes sense. Cars are just ubiquitous and trains and buses are background, uh, you know, needed for some people, but not for me kind of thing. Um, so our job as transit enthusiasts outside of ensuring that public transit agencies continue to improve and working with them to bring better services about is potentially to help bring this awareness about why it's good to use public transit and why we should support public transit systems in our, um, in our neighborhoods, even if it's not something that I want to use personally. Um, and I think one interesting tool that you use a lot is social media. Um, and I know, uh, obviously you're, you know, big on, on Twitter these days and, uh, 
have been big in kind of the Facebook world as well when Facebook was maybe still cooler than it is now. Um, but uh, with, with like NumTot, New Urbanist Memes for Transit-Oriented Teens, uh, which was really kind of actually the first big thing that like I got into. I was like, wow, this is really cool. There's so many other people like me that like this. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you use social media, how you've used it in the past, how you use it now to help evangelize transit? Yeah, uh, I love that word evangelize. Uh, actually, in, in my Mass Transit magazine, 40 Under 40, uh, write up uh, transit evangelist was was one of the ways I was described. Um, yeah, it's social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, social media, you know, it is, uh, I think it represents the best and worst of society. But, um, you know, when it's used for good, it can really have a powerful impact. And particularly when it comes to uh, transit. Uh, certainly, I have used social media to try my best to spread the good gospel about transit and why it's so important. Uh, you mentioned NumTot, uh, the infamous New Urbanist Memes for Transit-Oriented Teens Facebook group. Uh, you know, I, I am a moderator for the group, I be, uh, and, uh, you know, the group has definitely passed its prime, but it has really served to build community. It has served as this yeah. place where people from all around the world who think trains and buses are cool and, and cities are cool can come together and kind of share that common um, interest. You know, of course, there are great memes that are really funny, um, but, you know, there's also been a lot of really interesting dialogue. Uh, and I think what's been really great about the group is, you know, most of the people in the group are, they're just interested. They don't necessarily work as a planner or at a transit agency. Um, but uh, we've seen a lot of folks come in and decide that they want to go to school for urban planning or that they want to switch their careers. And what's been really awesome is that we have, you know, university professors that teach urban planning that join the group. And, uh, you know, people like Donald Shoup, who, you know, famously has mm -hmm. wrote the high cost uh, of free parking, you know, joined the group. And, um, it, it's really been great to really spread the word and educate people who are just interested in the subject matter and, and take it to a different level. I think one of the best outcomes of NumTot has been the spinoff groups. And most large and medium cities all across this country have a, have a NumTot spinoff group um, that you know is more tailored to local conversations. And I think those groups are still where you can find uh, good dialogue and healthy dialogue uh, about cities. Uh, but but Nuntot has been really just, uh, you know, I think it grew bigger than any of us expected it to grow. Oh. The New York Times wrote a few articles on it, you know, Chicago Magazine. There was a paper in Australia that, that did an article on Nuntot. So uh, it's really been impactful. You know, obviously, Twitter um, is definitely another space. There's transit Twitter. There's planning Twitter. There's housing Twitter. There's, there's Twitter for anything you can imagine. Um, but once again, another place to really build community. And one of the ways that I, I try to do that um, even on LinkedIn, which, you know, I definitely have more professional angle there in LinkedIn, but it's just share my passion, you know, uh, and mm -hmm. really, you know, ask interesting questions, you know, just this morning. In fact, on Twitter, I asked people, you know, what does it mean to be an urban planner? Do you have to go to school to be considered a planner? You know, and I really think it's important to reconsider who we consider a planner and how you can become a planner, um, because I am of the personal belief that, you don't necessarily need to go to school, as I did not go to school for planning. Um, so I use social media to to kind of you know rock the boat sometimes, ask ask good questions, ask controversial questions, you know, thought leadership, 
Uh, and then, uh, as, as you mentioned already, I, I love to, you know, display my passion by every time I ride transit, I'm tweeting about it, or I get a new part of my collection for my museum, you know, I tweet about it. And I, I think it's important, um, especially on LinkedIn, where I do have that more professional angle. Um, I even tweet about my international, or I, I post about my you know, collection on LinkedIn sometimes because I want to humanize myself, right? People see Jerome, the professional and what I do, but I think it's also important to go, hey, it's really cool if you, you know, really do like your job and you're really passionate about it. That's okay too. Um, I'm thinking about TikTok and how I could use that. We're already seeing urban, <laughs> urbanist TikTok emerge. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm beginning to think about how I might use that medium. Yeah, TikTok's the new frontier. Uh... For sure, I can uh, I can definitely imagine some pretty good uh, content coming your way, uh, coming from you um, in the TikTok realm. Uh, yeah, no, this is all really good. And something like I need, I myself often find myself like I, I like to lurk in the background of uh, of social media and see all of what everyone else says. And I, I'm not one; I've never been one really to post on social media. I'm realizing like, hey, this is actually a really good uh, avenue to advocate for what I care about, what's just interesting in my life. It's something I want to do more. Um, and I think it's a it's a good thing that a lot of people in the industry and, and outside of the industry who are just interested in this should be should be utilizing. So um, it's good to to f see what people like you are doing in the space just to kind of inspire us to, to get out there as well. Um, you mentioned this, you talked about how NumTot at uh, the Facebook group helps kind of grow this community or at least bring the community together. I wonder um, over the years since since really you've kind of numtot started and and you've been in this space, how have you seen this urbanism, the as I like to call it transit nerd um, space kind of grow uh, and this community grow? Uh, and how do you continue to see this growing in the future? Yeah, well, I certainly think the urbanism transit nerd community has has grown over the last decade or so. Um, particularly with the rise of social media. Um, I think many people are becoming more conscious of you know, systemic racism and how it's literally built into the fabric of our, our, of our mm -hmm. communities. And you can see this play out historically in urban planning and transit. Um, the climate crisis is getting worse and people are waking up to those realities. And I think they view transit as a tool um, to, to help mitigate that. And, um, you know, the cars have done a lot of damage to our communities, you know, and the ongoing rise of car crashes and pedestrian fatalities has many people questioning the roles that cars play in our society and built environment. So I think those are a lot of the factors that have contributed to a rise of the urbanist. Um, and, you know, I, I think what's been really, uh, Amazing to see is, you know, there's all these great YouTube channels out there now of, of people, some people who are actually planners, people who are not, um, people who are just enthusiasts and, and, and advocates putting out some really great content um, and, and really kind of, you know, providing more mainstream or, or getting the message out to the masses about uh, transit um, and, and some of the challenges that cities face. You know, I think one way that I want to see this grow is really talking about the importance of advocacy and organizing to make change happen. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's great to, to understand about, you know, the 10 different types of metro chains in, in, in China or, you know, you know, the fastest high speed rail train in the world or, you know, 
Um, but I think what, what will really help make the difference and help the community grow better is if we give people actual tools and, and advice of how do you become an advocate? How do you become a better advocate? Um, mm. Things like building and organizing a movement. How do you build allies? If you're a person that lives in a city and you want to see better transit, you know, get to know the staff that work at your transit agency. A lot of times there are people that work at transit agencies that are just as passionate, if not more passionate uh, than you are. And I, I was one of them. So I, I can say that yeah. when I worked at Indigo in Indianapolis, I viewed myself as an internal advocate, you know, and I aligned with a lot of our advocates on the outside. Um, so I think it's really important that, that we build this advocacy and organizing platform so that, you know, we can be more effective at putting the pressure on transit agency boards, putting the pressure on elected officials, making sure we get the right people voted in office that understand the importance of transit and how it can tie the community together. Um, so yeah, that, that's really what uh, I want to focus on. And I think, you know, at Transit Center, that's something that we're really um, going to build and we want to build our capacity to strengthen our advocacy efforts because we know that that is one of the number one things that will help us win the fight for better transit. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, I think that that makes sense. Like you got to start with getting people interested, um, seeing that it's important, and then really then kind of taking that next step um, and moving them into an advocacy role makes sense. So it actually is a good lead into uh, this question, which is kind of going to be like almost a three-part question. So uh, the majority of people listening to our podcast, they're in the transportation space in some way. They're professionals in transportation. They might not actually work for public transit, but they maybe work adjacent to it. Um, we also have people who are just interested in transportation and in transportation demand management, TDM, or in, in transit. Um, and then we have people in the public transit agencies themselves. I wonder if there's kind of one thing that you can do if you're part of any of these three groups to keep this movement going, uh, keep evangelizing transit, keep making transit cool. Um, what is that one thing? And maybe it's the same thing for all three of them. Maybe it's slightly different, but what is that one thing? Yeah, I think the, the number one critical thing we can do to better evangelize transit is to tell better stories about transit and the impact it has on people's lives. Um, you know, I think from the transit industry perspective, we, we just, we don't do a good job of telling our story. Um, and we need to speak in clear terms that are relatable to more people. You know, transit, mm -hmm. especially those who work in the industry, they know, uh, or, or people that are adjacent to it, there are so many acronyms, right? The FTA, <laughs> a DOT, and NEPA, and all these things. Um, but, I, you know, I think that if we can tell better stories and highlight, you know, real people's lives and how, you know, oh, you know, this bus went from went from running every 45 minutes to every 15 minutes, and it allowed this person to keep their job, you know, because yeah. the transit all of a sudden became more reliable and dependable, you know, or, you know, we, you know, for example, in Indianapolis, one of the great stories is when we built our red line BRT, there were a number of young families that went down to one car because, and they chose mm -hmm. to live near the line because they wanted to have that lifestyle where they weren't beholden to having a car, where they felt like they actually had more freedom by getting rid of a car and, and being able to take transit. So it's, it's really just talking to people about how this impacts people's lives every day. Uh, um, and, and we we just need better ways to, to highlight those stories and, and get them out there in front of people. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... That's like, it reminds me, like, I need to also, you know, 
I need to be part of this. Like we should all be talking about our stories with trans as well. Like I grew up in a suburb, um, thought cars were what you did and you drove cars and that made sense. And then I went to college in Berkeley in California and I was like, wait, people don't like drive to class. They just walk or they take the bus. This is so weird. Now I live in Montreal and I don't even own a car. I like sold my car. I was like, they have got a public transit system I can use. Um, and it's great. And I, I, I think my life's way better when I don't have to drive places. It really frees me up. It allows me to kind of, um, you know, I don't have to figure out where parking is. I don't have to like have this <laughs> selling my car on its own was like the biggest pain ever. Like this is the last time I'm ever selling a car. I never want to own another car again. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, that's a great point. Tell those stories of, of public transit. And I, I'll just add to that. Yeah, I, selling your car. Uh, I was so excited to sell my car uh, before I moved yeah. here to New York City. Um, you know, I, I didn't even talk about it. I was like almost ashamed that I had one. Right. But um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it was it to me, it was very free to be able to get rid of it. I was like, oh, no more oh, yeah. insurance, no gas, no maintenance. It's goodbye. Um, but, I, you know, the caveat is I realized that, you know, I'm an exception. I live in New York City. Right. There is no other place like New York City uh, in this country that really has that level of transit. But even here in this city, right, we still have our problems and issues with the transit system and connectivity. Um, but I think the more we can normalize it for people and see that, hey, yes, you can live a full and fulfilling life without owning a car, um, you know, I think we'll get more support for, for building better communities and, and more transit. Yeah, I agree. I definitely consider myself, you know, lucky and privileged to even have the opportunity to not own a car or not have to rely on it. Um, and it'd be great to allow other people um, to have that opportunity as well. Okay, so I have, you know, we're kind of coming up on time here, but I have two quick questions to end us off. One is we can't have an episode with you on here and not talk about your International Micro, micro Museum of Transit. Um, it's awesome. Uh, like you said, you post pictures about the new things you get. Um, what is your favorite piece? What like of all the, maybe you don't, maybe it's hard to pick one. It's like picking a favorite child, but what is that one piece that you're like this? I'm so happy to have this. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> gosh. Well, first let me say, you know, International Micro Museum of Transit for those who, who haven't heard of it or aren't familiar. It is my own personal collection of transit memorabilia from all around the world. Uh, and actually, I believe the name came from a suggestion on NumTot. I, I didn't have a nice. name. Someone was like, call it the International Micro Museum of Transit. And I was like, that sounds great. Uh, and if you want to follow it, it has its own Instagram and Facebook uh, page. But I, so the collection, I believe I have over 200 signs and 200 models of, of buses and trains. Uh, there's a number of maps, schedules, transit fair media, like tap cards and transit tokens. Uh, in terms of favorite, that's really hard to pick. But um, I'm not sure if there, any of them are in view right now, but um, so one of them is definitely, I have this custom model of the Baltimore Metro um, nice. that I had uh, someone custom paint for me and was 3D printed. And I just love it because that's where I'm originally from. And as I shared earlier, uh, I grew up on the Baltimore Metro and that's really where I first loved or fell in love with transit. Um, you know, uh, I have a, a, a real sign from uh, the New York City subway uh, that I actually bought from the MTA uh, from the Q line. I live on the Q line. And so I love having uh, a real sign from that. Um, but th there, there's so many pieces of the collection. It's really hard to like, it's like asking me what my favorite kid is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's tough to do. Well, definitely, if you're listening to this, 
follow the International Micro Museum of Transit on social media. Then you can just see all these things. I mean, it's so cool. Like you have these model uh, trains behind you, these signs. I mean, and this is like a small portion of it. It's really cool. Um, okay. So we have one final question. If you're new to the, to the podcast, this is your first episode listening. Um, uh, this will be new to you. But if you've been around for a while, you know that we always ask this one question at the end. Because um, we think transportation, uh, transportation demand management, public transit, all of this is really helping us work towards saving the planet, whatever that means um, to you. But I want to hear from you in just a, you know, a few sentences. Why will this idea of transit evangelism help save the planet? Yeah, wow. Um, how deep do we want to go? No. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think simply put, you know, transit evangelism will save the planet because it is absolutely critical and essential that we figure out how to lower the impact that humankind has had on the planet and remedy um, past um, mistakes and fix systemic racism and and allow people access to opportunity. Um, you know, it, transit is absolutely one of the most essential things that we can do to make a big dent in the fight for a better world. And um, it's just important that we continue to bring awareness, um, elevate the message, and as I said a little bit earlier, uh, connect to people in clear terms that they can relate to uh, about why it's this is important and why it makes sense to spend uh, money and invest in uh, a better future for us all. Well put. Nothing to add there. I mean, a great finish. Uh, Jerome, thanks so much for being on uh, our episode, our first episode of the new season of Between the Lines. Uh, really a great conversation. Like we both mentioned, there's probably three to four different conversations that could come out of this. We could have a whole series on this, um, but it's been really interesting to talk about this. Uh, where can people find you uh, on social media if they're wanting to follow you for more information? Yeah, so uh, people can find me on Twitter at uh, J-A Horn. That's J-A-H-O-R-N-E. Same thing on Instagram. Uh, just feel free. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook as well. So uh, pretty much anywhere. If you just type in Jerome Horn on Google, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bring up my, my profiles. Perfect. Awesome. And for those people who are uh, subscribed to our email list, uh, we will include those links as well, um, those handles for you to follow um, and reach out to Jerome if you have any questions or want to just talk more about it. I'm sure he's always happy to have those conversations. Um, to those who aren't subscribed yet to our email list, it's easy to do it. You can do it at betweenthelines.io. You just get a quick email every, uh, every time we have a new episode. We've got some really cool things coming this season, some partnerships with other organizations, really diving more into some of these uh, important transportation topics uh, around the industry uh, coming up this year. So definitely make sure uh, you uh, subscribe to that email list, you follow us wherever you're listening to podcasts or watching it on YouTube. Um, and it helps for, for us, for sure. If you give us a rating, give us a like that, you know, it's always good to do that. Um, it, it helps us make sure we're doing the right thing. Um, Jerome, it's been great to have you. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll be in touch on social media, uh, and, uh, we're excited to see what you do at transit center, really important work you're doing there. Um, and really excited to see, uh, this, this kind of transformation across, uh, uh, the country and the world on, on really thinking about 
systemic racism and representative leadership. It's it's a really cool thing that you're working on. Well, thanks so much, Andy, for having me on the show. And uh, I look forward to future conversations. Awesome. Great. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify.